Storytelling saves the world. Storytelling saves the world. With Jessica and Georgia and all their friends, you never know how the story's gonna end. But storytelling saves the world. Storytelling saves the Welcome to the fourth episode of Storytelling Saves the World, a podcast where you can find out more about integrating student movie making into your classroom. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Pack, and I'm here with my fabulous storytelling partner in crime, Georgia Trelawhi. Hi, Jessica. We're back for another episode today, and I can't believe it. We've had such a good time. For new listeners, Jessica and I bring a wide range of experience to the show. I have 31 years of classroom experience at the elementary level, and I'm currently an instructional coach. And I've been teaching middle school for the last 15 years, which I imagine is a lot like hanging out with aliens all day, who are both awkward and amazing. I'm also a California Teacher of the Year, and we've both been using digital storytelling in our classrooms for more than a decade. In this episode, we'll be talking about classroom management as it pertains to movie making. And we're really excited to welcome back our episode two guest, Julie Barda. Hello, happy to be here again to share in this experience with you guys. So just as a reminder, Julie's been digital storytelling with students for quite a while too, and she teaches both core classes and a multimedia elective, right Julie? Right, yeah, I teach language arts, social studies to seventh grade, and I teach uh, video production and digital media also to middle schoolers. So I imagine you have a lot of different ideas for classroom management based on what kind of class you're teaching. Yeah, it's a little bit different depending on how much time you have and what your end product is going to look like. So something that the three of us have in common is that we provide a lot of professional development for Digicom. And I would say that over the past, I don't know how many years have we been doing this for Digicom? A really long time. A really long time, yes. (laughs) Well, whenever we have those conversations about barriers in the storytelling process, inevitably classroom management kind of comes up. And that's usually accompanied by the question of time. So I think it's a a valuable way to spend our time today is Mm -hmm. to be able to talk about some of the tips and tricks that we've picked up over the years. And some of the mistakes we've made. A lot we, of the mistakes. Lot, it's like, yes, do this or it will be a hot mess. Yeah, perfect. So um, let's just go ahead and, and launch into uh, classroom management. What do you guys think is the most important aspect of classroom management when you're trying to make movies? Definitely planning. Just like any lesson, any good lesson has to have um, a really strong front end plan and you have to know where you want to get and you have to have a timeline. So as much as you can break that process down for yourself and for your students, um, I think you're just going to have a stronger end product and you'll be less frustrated and more happy with what you've done. I totally agree that the instructional arc plays a huge role in the success of your project, not just in terms of like how much time am I spending on this content, but how great of a script are my students able to write. I think it's really tough to just kind of like throw information at them and expect this amazing product um, to result from that. They need time to process and interact with the content before creating, just like any other type of creating project that we do with kids. And I know with like the little kids, because my experience is elementary, it was, it's important for them even to just have sort of an outline. Uh, like I'm always walking the line between giving too much instruction and not giving enough because you want to have give them that wide berth for creativity, 
but if you don't give them enough foundation or structure, then you get a whole bunch of stuff that you're sort of like, oh my God, what is this? So it is, I always feel like it's a, a balancing act, like shut up, don't say too much. Yes. But, um, and even in creating a example video to show them, I sometimes don't like to do that because then you get the students that just copy what you did and that's not really, I don't think helpful. Well, and if we're pushing story, like last week we had that great conversation with Alex about storytelling and different ways that we could tell stories rather than just that linear fact-based approach. Um, if you're trying to push for something like that, I mean, that takes a lot of intentional planning and it takes, I think, a lot of creativity on the part of kids. So I like what you're saying about not stifling that, but also setting them up for success. I think that's really important, especially with all the different levels we have in our classes and all the different needs of the students that we have. So I think um, having those scaffolds available for those who need them and having the parameters of the project and maybe some story frames or some, some boundaries so they don't get too wild, which becomes unmanageable, but also leaving it open enough for the kids who can handle and really want to, to um, add their own creativity is super important. Well, that's kind of like the planning aspect too, right? Like if you're piggybacking a movie project onto the end of, say, argumentative writing, which is actually what I'm doing in my classroom right now. How? Um, <laughs> I know. How, it's <laughs> crazy how that worked out, isn't it? <laughs> Um, but we wrote these five paragraph, what you would typically expect, argumentative essays, but then kids are walking into this movie project where we're trying to do like a pared down PSA version, and they are already understanding how to present a claim, and how to have an attention grabber, and how to address the counter argument, and how to do a call to action, and all of those things are inherent in the PSA structure. So it's, it's great to kind of like leverage whatever kids already have access to content-wise and try to plug it into the movie-making piece instead of forcing the movie-making piece to plug into the content. Right. So I know we had talked about as, with management as well, and I was sharing that I like to use a checklist that my kiddos would actually bring to me to check off if you, you know, we talked about we always have a storyboard because otherwise everything's a hot mess. So, you know, the classroom for elementary would function almost kind of like groups or, you know, guided reading, and I would be stationed somewhere, and as they would need me to check stuff off, they would bring me their checkoff sheet. I would look at it, either give them notes and come back, or, no, you're good, I'll check it, now you can go to the next mm -hmm. thing. I don't know how middle school, yeah. how that looks. The same in middle school, whether it's my um, <clears throat> core classes or elective, um, there's always checkpoints where I'm going to check off what they're doing. So I always want to check off their general idea, whether that's a story summary um, or a quick paragraph about what they're going to do, just to make sure it's not way too big. And usually it's, it, that's the problem. It's too big and beyond what we're doing. And so I really feel like not to stifle their idea, but with the time we have, I need to like rein it in a little bit. And then from there, give them the opportunity to do the storyboard and then I check that and make sure they have enough shots, make sure their story is actually shown in the storyboard because a lot of times that's where we find some plot holes where they, they have it in their head but they haven't actually filmed anything. Um, but in middle school where you might have larger classes, um, especially when I was at a different school and I had up to 40 kids in my elective class, um, some of those checkpoints can be done without the students in the classroom. So I think as a management tool, having them submit their summaries to you and you can check them and just leave them some notes in a Google Doc, having them leave their storyboards behind and if they're clear enough, you should be able to check it and it should make sense without them in front of you. And then I would just leave some little notes for them because a lot of times with that many students in a class, you might not have time to work with one group at a time and get through everybody or it would take a really long time. But I also would do that 
and I would like to recommend that you do do that and then your other kids have an alternative project while you're doing that because I think there's value in taking a, a moment to check through everything before you send oh, kids out to film and so sometimes you if you do want to do that one-on-one -on -one conferencing then you almost have to put a hold on the project let them do something else an alternative project for a while working on some other skills to get through all of your groups and then get back on rolling with filming and I think it's worth it and be patient with yourself and give yourself that built-in time for um, doing that and giving that feedback. Because I think we've all seen the hot mess that can happen when you don't do that. Correct. <laughs> and it does seem like a lot of work, but when you see the, the, the final project, when you've planned it all compared to one where you just were freestyling, it is such a better product when, as a teacher, you've planned it out with those checkpoints. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think this is why we end up talking to teachers all the time who are frustrated with the process itself because they're going, hey, I ran out of time. Hey, what do my kids do while they're waiting for everyone else to finish? Hey, we didn't quite get to the publishing stage because I just had to move on to the next unit. And I think all of those concerns can be addressed with exactly what you're talking about, giving the projects like room to breathe and yes. the process room to breathe and the kids and some, time to reflect and some peer editing or peer you know peer evaluation mm -hmm. you know if you don't have time to watch it it's not that it's going to be checked off but sometimes if another student can watch it give some feedback and then then they come to you it may be a little bit better and they're usually a, a very honest with each other it's like oh no that's too long it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. well, whereas you know as a teacher sometimes you say it it goes like in one ear and out the other yeah, I do a lot of peer checking in my class as well, so that's a good point to bring up. I'll have them check with another group, um, exchange stories, give each other feedback, tell each other the plot holes you see, and then they come to me. So hopefully some of it has been resolved, so my conference is shorter. Well, and I know that we all are a fan of giving mini lessons, kind of front-loading certain skills we want kids to work on. When you were here last time, you talked about like the audio piece mm -hmm. that you were kind of working on first, mm -hmm. and then building subsequent projects to be more complex. Um, and I think that's important, too, so that the kids are not coming back with crummy footage and you're sitting here trying to send them back out again. I think that's something else that really frustrates teachers where they're just like, wow, this doesn't look as good as I thought it would. But then they didn't give a lesson on agreement or on framing or film angles. So. Or, right. And or, or, you know, the diversity, you know, how diverse shots, you know, make a make a better project. I mean, all those kind of things. I think you're right. You you have a better product when you've built in some of those fun things in the beginning of the year or whenever you decide to start filmmaking. If, you know, if it's the middle of the year, I'm going to build in some of these mini lessons too, which I think we can share probably on the website. I know we have some mini lessons we've done that we could share with people. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that Digicom has been working on some mini lessons so that we can maybe direct people back to digicomlearning.org so that you can download a lot of um, templates and some of those prefab lessons so that you're not reinventing the wheel because that's another concern, right? Right. Is that teachers have a lot on their plate already, so they need someone to come alongside and give them that support. So. And the nice thing about the mini lessons is they are, like, short. So we're not talking, you know, you need, like, two hours to, to do these mini lessons. You can do a lot of them in, like, 25 to 40 minutes. And, you or know, even 10 minutes. Like some of my favorite ones are super short. Everybody can find 10 minutes on a random Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. So another thing we wanted to discuss was, you know, if you have kids, you're going to send them out to film. How do you do that? Because obviously you don't send 30 kids out into the world at a time. So have fun. Don't get any blood on the yeah. carpet. Like <laughs> please, don't, please don't let the principal call me because you've done something. So as, a, as an elementary teacher, I 
we would try to build some um, classroom team building discussions and talk about like if you're going to have this privilege, which it is, you need to understand that people are looking at you school wide and your behavior needs to be better than it's ever been. You cannot be making poor decisions. You cannot be goofing around. You need to be you're, you need to be on it and that if I send you out and I find, you know, I get feedback that, oh, your kids were running down the hall. Oh, your kids were doing all this. You will not be allowed to go out of the room and film for a period of time. Yeah, I need to be able to trust that I can send you with a camera crew and it will get done. Right. And to piggyback off that, um, it's in, so going back to the planning piece, right? So if the kids are prepared for what they're going to film, then you're going to have less problems when they're out there because they're sticking to their storyboard. So in my class, they, they leave with a pass. So before they leave, I check each group at the door. I make sure they have their pass, their storyboard, their equipment, whatever prop they need. So they just have to like physically show it and all their members because sometimes like one member is like straggling behind and then they lose each other. So they like literally like walk out the door as a group. I just do a quick physical check, look around and then they can move on. Um, and on that film pass, it says a couple of the key rules, I think that would be at any school, no filming in a bathroom. So that one is like a, right. a, a for sure on there. Um, only film or take pictures of what's on your storyboard so then you don't get into them filming their friends walking by. And um, and I think if the, you have some of those solid, like just three main rules, I think that really helps. And, and really going back to that plan and they have, you know, a certain time period to get it done. This is how much time you have to film it and there's just not a lot of time to waste. If you leave it really open-ended, and I know at the beginning it's kind of hard because you don't know how much time to give them, but you can kind of go off of your groups that are being successful and you know are good time managers and then just add on a little extra time for those who might need some more. But you can't just leave it open-ended forever because you'll get some Because that will film forever. And they're still not done. Or, or they do come it back again and, and again and oh, again. Oh, yeah, we didn't, we're not done. You were gone 25 minutes and you don't have anything. Yeah, and I've been doing this a long time. And even this was a problem today in my class of not having clear rules of who was doing what. And I had a lot of disagreements between the people. And I was like, well, who is really in charge here? Like, who is supposed mm -hmm. to be directing this and having that person really take on that role? And that was my fault because I hadn't been really, like, explicit about those rules. So it's really important to keep coming back to all that structure. And sometimes I think it's great when things fall apart because that does make us reflect and like, okay, what was my role in this? Um, and like you were sharing, it's like, oh, I forgot to like delineate the the, yeah. the roles here. Yeah. So it's helpful. I find it helpful. It helps me grow like for the next part. Oh, I need to make sure I do this because mm -hmm. I don't want this to happen again. Well, and there's some perseverance and grit on the part of the teacher too mm -hmm. in that scenario because we're always talking about building that in our kids, but we need to foster that in ourselves too because I think a lot of times teachers kind of throw up their hands and go this is not worthwhile this isn't working for me I'm going to go back and and do that project that I've always done that was a lot more controllable with fewer right. moving parts so I mean that bravery kind of comes alongside the idea that we're persisting and trying again <laughs> but with some tweaks and like you know version 2.0 of chaos yeah right <laughs> hopefully more can Control-ish chaos so that, you know, we're at least getting the work done and people aren't coming and yelling at us for, um, you know, oh, your kids are going crazy. And, right. and, and luckily, you know, you start having your kids film and people see that and, and they are behaving. There is a more generosity of spirit and like, oh, those are, you know, Mrs. Trelawney's kids. They have their, they're going to, oh, they're working. All right. It's all fine. Well, I think to add on to that it's super important that you share your work with your peers your adult yes. peers because if they can see the end product and see the um 
that this actually turned into something that's really amazing and amplifies. And you're not just playing right, and it really like amplifies student voices and it does all these amazing things. They're kind of like in awe of you rather than being annoyed by the students right. that are out there that might be kind of goofing around <laughs> once in a while because their right. kids are going to goof around, right? And I think it's important also um, if you're new, you know, we talked about those those baby steps. So like maybe just audio first and then maybe just doing something with still images and audio. And what we're talking about is like sending kids out to film. It would be sort of like right. that's sort of like end of the year when you're much more comfortable with the flow or when after you've done a couple of building projects up to that. And especially like elementary, I was sharing today with my colleagues that I've been working in kindergarten and we start <laughs> in with like stills that we're all sharing and touching it and dragging and it's very controlled but they're still making some choices but even to fifth grade I wouldn't have sent them out to film something in the first month or two of school we would have been doing all this stuff in class before because there still is a sense of oh dear lord what's going to happen (laughs) well and for us Julie and I being at the middle school level I mean we are the land of bad decisions (laughs) and like poor judgment like there is nothing rational about a child's first impulse right so I mean even things like how am I going to have kids accountable accountable for their equipment like what do we do if something gets broken how do we handle that And I think what you were saying about checking everybody physically before they leave the room, like, you know, some kids need that and some age groups need that. Whereas like with a high school classroom, you might be able to do a little bit more relying on their maturity and having like a super simple checklist for them on the board before they leave. And hopefully you'll get more productive behavior out of them (laughs) than you would a 12 year old with an iPad. So Mm -hmm. I think all of these are really great ideas and hopefully um, people feel like the process can be approachable and it can be something that they're able to implement. And hey, if you have management questions that we haven't covered, feel free to to click the contact info, right? Right. Oh, Julie has one more thing to share. I just wanted to um, go back to what you said about kinder because I think it's a really important step um, for time management for new teachers is to not give your kids access perhaps for on your first project maybe to searching every single Google image that's out there and really like you as the teacher making that bucket of photos that might be needed for your first project, you know, the 10 pictures that historical pictures that would go with what you're doing or the 10 frogs or whatever they're going to be doing for science so that then the kids might be able to add in two or three free choice ones because it can really get bogged down and time management black hole yeah it can become a huge problem um especially if you're not using we video that has that um that big library and they're searching on the whole uh web can really bog them down just image choice so that would be another time management tool i think that would make um life a little bit less frustrating if you're starting out Oh, I completely agree. So like in Google, just make a folder, put some images in there. The kids can choose from those, yes. but they're not looking in Google for hours and yeah, hours. Yeah, and maybe they add two more of their own choice or something. So depending yeah, on what you're comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Well, because there are some prerequisite skills whenever you send them to Google. They have to understand how to use the search tools to right. find something that's an appropriate resolution. And then in and the that's Wii another video- mini, mini lesson. Yeah, really. absolutely. And in the Wee Video Library, like super generalized search terms pay off way more than something hyper super specific right so i mean being able to navigate all of those searchable places and to find the content that's really worthwhile i mean that those are skills themselves so i totally understand and appreciate what you're saying about front loading some of that heavy lifting for them so Mm -hmm. you can focus on what you really want to focus on right but then give them the opportunity to do a little searching on their own and not get images with watermarks or low resolution or because that is another skill so it's just all building the skills without overloading them with too much 
Well, ladies, this has been a fantastic conversation, and hopefully people will go ahead and drop us an email if they have any other management considerations. We can always, you know, pin that onto the front of the next episode. So we are just excited to have you reach out to us and let us know what it is that you would like to hear. And with that, I think we have some 5 and 60. We have 5 and 60, and because Julie was here before, we changed the questions. Okay, we ready, Julie? Okay. Here we go. First one. What flavor of ice cream do you binge eat when the storytelling project goes wrong? Ooh, Rocky Road. And heavy metal or country music and microphones or earbuds with little built-in mics? Ooh, country music and earbuds with mics. What is the craziest thing that has happened during a project? Oh my gosh, going back to the hamster chicken thing from last time, okay. right? So that the kid, she brought her hamster and then the, or it was a guinea pig, I think, for the movie. And then it went running down the hallway and I don't know, they caught it and they brought it back, but I do remember that moment. And hence the live animal policy. Yes. That's great. <laughs> um, what is your biggest, oops, my bad, when in digital storytelling process? Ooh, I think going back to what I said earlier, like just forgetting to, to talk about those roles. So like kids are really unclear about what they're going to do and who's going to do what. And so there can be a lot of, um, you know, peer tension. So we want to make sure to... Imagine so, that middle school peer tension. Shocking. Imagine that. Shocking. Yeah. And everybody knows everything. Right? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Last one. What is your pet peeve when students are in the storytelling process? Mm, I hate seeing a kid just sit there. So I cannot do it. Like, I have to have kids busy all the time for the whole time, unless they're, like, just brainstorming sitting there. But, like, I want everybody to have a job from beginning, middle, and end. So all my kids edit because I want them busy all the time. That sounds like good teaching to me, Julie. <laughs> that's why you're here, and that's why you make the big bucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, it seems like we have arrived at Storymatic time, Georgia. Yay! Yay! One of my favorite times, Julie. I know, you love it. I'm nervous. <laughs> so we can pick anyone. You don't feel bound to pick the one right in front of you. Oh. Well, Georgia has pre-three-card montied this, Yes, right? I have. So I'm going to go ahead and reach for the one in the middle, and I am drawing beginning, which um, I have never had before. Okay, I'm drawing middle. Oh, so, gee, I wonder what I could be. <laughs> I get to bring it home. <laughs> so here are the cards that have been chosen for us by our good friend, Alex. We have a reluctant participant and an unexpected package. I really hate this game. <laughs> I know, I really, it, like, it, this game stresses me out, you guys. Do we have We're to modeling go? growth mindset. <laughs> a reluctant <sighs> participant and an unexpected package. Are you ready? No. I would like a thinking <laughs> moment, please. Okay. I'm ready. And Veronica got up from her easy chair where she was surrounded by literally 16 and a half cats. And um, she just put aside her afghan and her knitting and wandered over into the kitchen to grab her usual tub of Ben and Jerry's when suddenly there was a knock at the door. So she got up and she went to answer the door reluctantly because she had to waddle her way through those cats and when she got there there was a man delivering her an envelope and in the envelope she opened it he said she had to open it while he was still standing there and in the envelope it said that she had to participate in 
the dog game, the wheel of dogs. And she was like, no, I'm the cat lady. I can't deal with the dog game. I want to be in the cat game. And the man said no, but she had to sign it because she got a prize if she participated for $1 million. Her, so her prize was $1 million, and she was hoping to be able to buy the other half of the cat that was missing from her 16 and a half cats because it was a problematic mathematical situation. So she mustered all of her courage to think of anything she knew about dogs, and she said, yes, sir, I will play for the million dollars. The end. <laughs> I don't know why there were 16 and a half cats. That, that like, bothered me. I was thinking, maybe there was a kitten and it's like, what happened to that? Because it's a cat lady. What happened to the other half of the cat? Clearly my thought process did not come across as straightforward as one would hope. But this was another fascinating round of Storymatic. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Storytelling Saves the World, which has been brought to you by Digicom Learning. You can visit them at digicomlearning.org or follow Digicom Learning on Facebook or Instagram. And hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and or SoundCloud and do us all a favor and drop us a review. How about that? Show us some love. Our show notes can be found on our website, storytellingsavestheworld.com. Some of our upcoming topics will include storytelling and science. If you have an idea for our podcast, please email us via the contact form on our website. We'd love to hear from you. And again, that's storytellingsavestheworld.com. Until next time, what's your story? Yeah.